0: Here we go. This is the fourth and final week of our You Asked For It series, and we've been answering some of the questions that you have because that's better than getting up here every week and answering questions that nobody has. So we want to make sure that we're, you know, hitting topics that uh, people really want to know about. As we've said a couple of times... Excuse me, as we've said a couple of times already today. Next week is the Mother of All Sundays. And uh, Mother's Day is an easy invite. And uh, our very own Liz Hoyt, our children's pastor. We have the best children's pastor in the world, by the way. Liz Hoyt. And... Uh, I've been to some churches five, ten times our size, and they don't have a children's pastor like we have. And uh, she is the guest speaker, not really guest, but she's the speaker on this stage next week, and so we're excited about that. Uh, And then after Mother's Day, we'll be starting a new series called Deeper, which is going to be a spiritual deep dive uh, for all of us based on the life of Peter, a spiritual growth series that we're going to be doing called Deeper, and we're looking forward to that. So, we have lots of new folks here at Wesley Wesleyan. The church has been growing uh, steadily uh, the last several weeks. And about once a year or so, I do what I'm about to do, really for fun, and uh, just kind of help everyone to see the makeup of our church. So get your, get your right arm ready. Shake it loose. Are you ready? Come on, you got to participate. Get your right arm ready. Here we go. All right. Uh, I do this about once a year or so. We're going to do it this morning. How many of you would say you were, you were born, brought up, raised, or come from Catholic background? Go ahead, raise your hand if you're... Look at that, look at that. Isn't, that. isn't that awesome? That's awesome. All right, yeah, yeah, okay, a hand for all those folks. They're like, why are you cheering for me? I was just, it was just I was born that way. All right, uh, Baptists. Right? Baptists don't usually raise their hands in church. <laughs> They're like, this is killing me. Can I put it down now? Pentecostal. No, 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 no. Pentecostals are supposed to, Woo! Woo! <laughs> Pente- let's try that again. Pentecostals, where are you? That's why they're here. <laughs> right? Probably. I don't know. Uh, Anglican. this is very quiet. Very... Dig- very United. Any Uniteds? Yeah. Uh, Presbyterian. I see one or two, a few. Bedside Baptist. There's one. Kevin's on us. Way to go, Kevin. Nothingtarian. You grew up nothing. Any, got Yeah? Got a couple. What did I miss? Wesleyan. Any Wesleyans? It's actually on my list. I actually did miss Wesleyans. West, Westlands again. Where are you? See, isn't that isn't that interesting? That's interesting. What else did I miss? Salvation Army, Pearl. Where <laughs> to go, Pearl? What else? Who? Mennonites. We got a few. Okay. How can the Mennonites woo and the Pentecostals don't? Alright, okay, that's kind of fun. We do that about once a year or so, just, to, just so you can see how diverse this church is. And the Wesleyans is like a smaller group every year, uh, which, is, which is interesting. That's fine. It's a good Sunday to ask that question because our You Asked For It topic for today is spiritual gifts. This is one of the questions that somebody asked. What is the deal about spiritual gifts? And your, your background, your faith background, has a lot to do with how, with how you interpret uh, certain spiritual gifts. And our diversity on the topic of spiritual gifts is part of the beauty of this church, it, okay? I, I'm going to say that again. You don't need to applaud. I just want to make sure you hear it. Our diversity on the topic of spiritual gifts and other things our diversity on that is part of the beauty of this church. Cause if, if you will only go to a church where, where, you know, you can agree on everything, that's going to be a very small church where all the people walk on an angle kind of like this. And all the teenagers are in their seventies. <laughs> right. They might agree on everything, but, but they're not open to anything. And, and they're just a very, very small, small group in corporate worship. And in our ministries, we, Moncton Weston, we practice what we believe is going to help us best accomplish our vision and reach the greatest number of people for Jesus. Okay, that's what we do. Now, all right, all right, okay. okay. If, if you have a different understanding of a spiritual gift or if a particular gift is demonstrated differently in your experience with Jesus— we're thrilled that you are here. That's why I just did the arm race deal. We're glad that you are here and you have a lot to offer. You are a part of our our tapestry that is Moncton-Weston. But in corporate worship and in our ministries, we have to go with the direction that God has given us. Okay, there are a few places in uh, the New Testament that speak directly to a unique set of gifts ...that seem to be different from natural talents and abilities. Uh, Here are four specific places. Shazam. Come on. Wakey-wakey. Here are... Did I say Shazam out loud? I don't really use witchcraft on the stage. Okay. It was just... It was just... Wakey-wakey is what I meant. All right. uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Those are a few of the texts. And uh, this morning we're going to focus on 1 Peter chapter 4. A spiritual gift, uh, it might, it might pick up on something that you are already, you already have that talent, and your spiritual gift might just, you know, mesh with that really, really well. Or it might not. It might, and it might not. The word spiritual implies that this is this is something supernatural that God does in you. After you believe in Jesus. So at the point of salvation, this is, this, is, this is part of the salvation package. Something that God does in you. And uh, after you receive the Holy Spirit, after you become a follower of Jesus, it's a gift because it, it, it comes into your life uh, as a gift from God, an act of grace from God. So God gifts you to equip you to serve the body of Christ. This is the point of the spiritual gifts that God gifts us to equip us so that we can serve the body of Christ. So a talent might be something that you were born with, a natural ability, and a spiritual gift is something that God downloads into your life as a follower of Jesus. So it's different from a, from a talent. This is yes, are we okay? So far? This is all right. This is Pentecostal. All right. Um, uh, like I said, um, earlier, we all come from different backgrounds. We're a Heinz 57 church. Uh, some of you are just, some of you like this morning, like right now, you're just finding out there are spiritual gifts. Who knew? Like you just, you just didn't know. Like you, you don't know what you don't know until you know. And so you're just, you're just finding this out. Some of you have like your fifth degree back, black belt in spiritual gifts. Right, like some of you are experts in spiritual gifts. Depending on how you define them in Scripture, there are a varying number of gifts. Depending on how you define them, see some of those. Well, there's, there's 25, right? and, and, and somebody else might say no, there's only 18. And what? It, it, I don't think it matters. To be honest, I don't. I don't think it matters what, what you know what number we land on when we get to heaven. You can ask Jesus how many spiritual gifts were there. I'm going to list some of them, and uh, to help us understand what I'm talking about, and I'm the the list that I'm going to show you. I am hear me clearly. I am not saying that this is the Wesleyan list. Are we okay? Okay, and and this might be different from your list. I'm not even saying that I like this list better than your list. Okay, I'm not saying that at all. And if I and if you don't see something on this list, it's not because I'm dodging it and trying to avoid, oh, that's why he didn't put that up there, okay? So here we go. Um, here are some of administration. How many have the gift of administration? Nobody. You don't want to admit it because we'll get you busy doing that kind of stuff. Discernment. If I had the gift of discernment, I would have known who had the gift of administration. Encouragement. Uh, keep them rolling. Here we go. Uh, evangelism. Faith. Giving, hospitality, intercession, knowledge, leadership, mercy, prophecy, helps, service, pastor, teaching, wisdom, missionary, miracles, healing, tongues, interpretation. I think that's the last one. I don't even know how many of those i put up. It might have been 22 or something like that. Not even sure. All right, let's jump into our text and see what Peter has to say about this. It's 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading in verse 7. 1 Peter 4, verse 7, where Peter says this, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Let's go back to verse 7 and put that up on the screen. Back, 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 back to verse 7. Back to verse 7, 7, 7. There we go. Peter says the end of the world is coming soon. Well, that's a happy thought. It's actually it's a term that they use to speak of life on this side of the resurrection. Like everything on this side of the resurrection was the, the end of the world is coming soon. Um, that's just the term that the Jesus. That's the term that they use. Jesus was here. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus left the planet. Jesus is coming back. It was a reminder to live as though Jesus is coming back at any moment. And we mentioned this last Sunday when we said, What you believe about the end affects how you live in the now. What you believe about the end and how this is all going to unfold in the end, it really does affect how you live in the now because Jesus could come back right now. That would have been a great time for the sound man to play like a big boom of thunder and a trumpet. Literally, we believe Jesus could come back at any time. He could come back right now. So with that thought, if we believe what we believe, we should live how we should live. Like if, we, if you really believe that Jesus could come back, uh, let's pick a time at uh, 5 o'clock today. If we believe what we believe, then we should live how we should live. What you believe about the end affects how you live in the now. Don't just, don't just sort of believe it or, or kind of believe it. You know, Peter says the end of the world is coming soon. Like, get some urgency about this and some expectancy and some fire in your spirit That Jesus is alive and his plan is in motion. We're a part of his plan right now. And we get to be a part of what God is doing on planet earth right now. Until Jesus comes back to redeem this whole mess and rescue us. We're a part of that plan. And everything after the resurrection, everything on this side of the resurrection... It's unfolding uh, as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ. We're closer all the time. Like every day, we're closer to the return of Christ. So the end of the world is coming soon. It's also a reminder that life is short. How, How true is that? Life is short. You have one life to live to glorify God. One life to change your world. To make a positive dent in your world for Christ. To lead others to Jesus, to serve the poor, to to find your mission, your purpose, your passion, and to pursue that mission, that passion with every ounce of life you have in you to the glory of God. So don't be stuck in all the reasons why you can't do anything for God. If you are breathing this morning, God is not done with you. If you are breathing this morning, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for your life. We have a whole world of opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The church, the followers of Jesus, should lead the way when, in, into the disasters of this world, into places like Nepal. I mean, when, when, when Red Cross and World Vision and, and other agencies, when, when UNICEF and all those other agencies got to Nepal, they should have found that the Christians were already there, first responders, the Christians should just be pouring into places like that, like, like ants, just pouring in to just, to just serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus. CNN should be talking about how, how, how remarkable it is that the followers of Jesus have have all gone to Nepal to, to, to serve and help and minister to people's needs. Okay, uh, in verse 7, there's a word there, uh, therefore. Therefore, is, you know, is, is very similar to because. Peter is saying because Jesus is coming back. Uh, because Jesus is coming back. And then he gives us some practical ways that we are to live our lives in, in view of eternity. Because Jesus is coming back, Peter says, this is the way that you should, the way that you should live. Peter didn't, didn't say, he didn't get all mystical and say, hey, you know, Jesus is going to break the sky, so let's everybody sell everything that you have, you don't, and let's just all go sit out in the field and stare up at the stars and wait for Jesus to come back. Peter said, no, Jesus is coming back, and here are some things that you need to do until he comes back. Here are the things that, that Jesus' followers need to be doing. This is the way that we should be living. And, and, he, and he showed us how we should invest your life in things that will matter for eternity. Instead of counting up all of your stuff, Peter's saying, you should be doing stuff that's going to count forever. Instead of counting up all of your stuff, do stuff that's going to count for Jesus forever. And it's also in verse 7 where Peter says, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Earnest and disciplined in all your prayers means pray hard and pray often. Earnest and disciplined. Pray hard and pray often. Earnest and disciplined in your prayers till Jesus comes back. Okay, verse 8. Most important of all, okay? Most important of all. Of course, when you see those words, most important, all right, pay attention, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. And so we've highlighted for you this morning continue and show in deep and love. What kind of love? Continual love, an ongoing, never ending, continual love for one another. What kind of love? Well you need you need to show this kind of love. In other words, Peter's saying the love that you have for one another should be it should be visible. It should be evident. Everybody should be able to to see how 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 believers and followers of Jesus love each other and they and they love the world. It, it's, it's an outward love. It's a love that people notice. How else should we love? Not only should we love continually, not only should we love visibly. But Peter says, love each other deeply. You need to have a deep, deep love for one another. The word that Peter uses here for love is the word agape. And it it means a a, uh, a caring kind of love, a benevolent love, a, a goodwill love. Peter's saying, you've got to love one another. You've got to care for one another. You have to meet your neighbor's needs. Make sure that nobody goes Without, if you are followers of Jesus, Peter's saying step in when nobody else will step in. Step into those situations and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Be the good Samaritan. Be your brother's keeper. Love continually. Love deeply. Love in a way that the world will notice. And by saying, you know, most important. Maybe Peter is, uh, he might be referencing Mark chapter 12. If you came to the Bible study um, that we did in the month of April, and actually we're going to finish that Bible study uh, this coming Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, we had great crowds to the Bible study. We did a Bible study on the book of Mark. And uh, we have many reasons to believe that, that Mark is recording. Um, when you read the book of Mark, you're reading Peter's account. You're reading what Peter shared with Mark, and Mark is the scribe. And so we're getting Peter's firsthand account of this. And so by saying most important, Peter might be referencing Mark chapter 12 when a Pharisee asked Jesus which of the 613 laws or commandments is, is most important. And Jesus replies with, uh, to love One another, we have to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and love others as yourself. The church should be known as a place of love, not a place of condemnation. The church church can't afford to get this one wrong. We have to love on a level that the world just cannot compete with. Those great theologians from the 60s, the Beatles, had it right. When they said all we need is love, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said if you don't have love, you're a gong show. You're you're a racket. That's all you are. In Matthew chapter 24, uh, Jesus was giving a A forecast of the future, and it was chilly. We've had a lot of those lately. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is actually giving a chilly forecast of the future. Kind of like April in New Brunswick. Uh, By the way, by the way, uh, once you put your winter coat away, you cannot bring it back up again. When it's gone, it's gone. And uh, don't get it out again, okay? Um. In Matthew 24, Jesus is telling his disciples what it's going to be like in the last days. And in verse 12 of Matthew 24, Jesus says this. He says, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of, m- of many will grow cold. That sounds like our day. That sounds like the news that I watch. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of of the love of many will grow cold. That's Matthew chapter twenty four, verse twelve. As love grows cold, because Jesus said it would. As love grows cold around the world, we have an unprecedented opportunity to wrap the world in God's love. That's our opportunity, and Peter seizes this opportunity. And he writes to us with encouragement. And it's kind of this, this, this tone like, hey, hey, gang, we don't know how much time we have left. But the world is not getting any brighter. And it's going to get darker by the day. But we have the light of the world. We have the light of Jesus Christ inside of us. And we can love on another level like the world has never known. And the world can see the difference in us. Verse 9, uh, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Just verse 9. Let's leave it back there on verse 9. Just 9 for now. We mentioned this last week with the the rich man uh, stepping over and ignoring poor Lazarus who was starving right outside his door. So it, the scripture we read last week said that, there was this dude, Lazarus, and he was a beggar, and he's right outside the gate. And this rich guy goes out every morning and has to, like, step over the the, the guy that's laying right there uh, and, and, and never does anything. And this, what's this verse say? It says, cheerfully, share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Now, I'm going to break this text down for you, and I want everybody to see... What this text means uh, in the original Greek, okay? Are you ready? I'm gonna break it down. I'm gonna tell you exactly what this text means in the original Greek. What Peter is really trying to say is, you ready? Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. That's exactly what he's trying to say. That's exactly what it means in the original Greek. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal. Or a place to stay. Not reluctantly. Not out of duty. Not to rack up points with God. Not to make yourself look good. Serving others should bring you great joy. I like the three of you are, are really excited. About the potential of this verse in your lives. Cheerfully. Cheerfully. Share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. You should look forward to serving others. Serving others is a great opportunity. Man, we haven't even gotten to the gifts part yet. And Peter's saying that we should be, we should be prayerful, we should be loving, we should be cheerful, and we should be serving. This is, this is Peter's field guide to how to survive the end of the world. Right? He told us that in verse 7. The end is near. This is, this is how to survive the apocalypse by Peter the Apostle. Don't, don't hunker down. Don't bunker down. Don't, try, don't fill your storehouses or build bigger barns or worry about yourself. Peter says, get out there and love on people and serve your community and take care of people who have needs. And you can change the world for Jesus one changed life at a time. Okay, verse 10, God has given each of you a gift. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're gifted. You're gifted. All right, let's go to the next slide. Uh, the word that this actually is, the, the Greek word for gift is the word uh, charis. And so when you see this word gift in this context, Peter's saying that that God has given you a gift of grace. Charis means grace. So a spiritual gift is a a gift of grace. Uh, God gives you what you can't earn and don't deserve so that you can give to others and serve Jesus. And Peter says, use these things well. Use them well. In other words, these gifts come with a responsibility. If you're a follower of Jesus... This is this this spiritual gift deal is automatic. God if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, God has given you spiritual gifts. If you come to the cross for salvation, don't leave your gift under the tree. God gifts you. Imagine for a moment that we could that we could see all the spiritual gifts in the room right now. Imagine. If we could if we could just see all the spiritual gifts The best, you know, there's, 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 you can, the internet's full of spiritual gifts tests and inventories and things like that. Uh, I think the best way to actually find your gift is to keep serving and notice how God uses you and notice what God blesses. I think that's the best way to find your spiritual gift. Um, But if we could see every spiritual gift in this room right now, there would be thousands because I think, I think most of us have not one but probably two or three spiritual gifts. What difference? Could we make for Jesus in this city if we all started serving and using and applying those gifts to the needs around us? What difference could we make for Jesus? I mean, it, I mean, all of Canada would take notice and they would say there is a church. There, there's a church in Moncton that's gone nuts. And they're not just talking about Jesus. And they're not just talking about the New Testament. They're living it out in their community. Peter mentions some of the gifts. He's not trying to give us a list. He's just just making a point. He just mentions that there's some of the gifts. And he's saying whatever God has gifted you with, whatever he's equipped you to do, Peter says in in, uh, verse 10, to do it with all the strength and the energy that God supplies. Can we go back to verse 10? Okay, verse 11. I'll find it. Do you have the gift of speaking? Speak as though God Himself were speaking through you. Verse 12. We're going to get there. Well, maybe that's it. Is that it? I'll find it. There it is. The end of verse 11. Do it, do it with all the strength and energy that God... Get there. Well, maybe that's it. Is that it? I'll find it. There it is. The end of verse 11. Do it, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies.